zranjo prevežete roko in zaustavite to pokrivo. If by cutting off the circulation, your hand starts to go numb. You start to lose the sense of feeling. Then it proves that this Bhagavad Gita verse is correct. I've done it and it works for me, but you don't have to believe me, you can try it yourself. We're sitting in the heart inside a little, you know, in, inside the special uh, place for the living entity and we're getting all the information through the different senses and nerve systems. Upanishad says a living forest is microscopic, atomic in size. One ten thousand is the tip of a hair. Just like a molecular almost in size. But it's an anti-material molecule. It's a spiritual animal. It's so powerful that uh, it can it can bring alive a human body or elephant or even a And everyone is individual. Eternal. Conscious. This material nature, no consciousness. This table doesn't have any consciousness. Right? But if you start tapping on the person, you start to respond. Why are you hitting me? Because their body is conscious. You take the soul out of the body, then it's also not going to respond anymore. So, because we are part of Krishna, we can see Krishna face to face. If we develop ourselves spiritually, we can talk to him, we can touch him, we can walk with him. That possibility is there. So that is actually the greatest uh, experience for a for a soul. <clears throat> Even to associate with one of the devotees of the Lord who's awakened. It's an exhilarating experience. You know, a little bit of spiritual life is so powerful that it can completely change your whole destiny. So that's why we're trying to encourage everyone to add the spiritual aspect to their life. So 
Because we're part of Krishna. If we come in contact with anything that is directly connected to Krishna, it increases our spirituality. So eating, hearing the name of Krishna, that's that's not different from Krishna. Chanting Hare Krishna, that spiritualizes our consciousness. Hearing the histories about Krishna and his devotees. They're also not different from Krishna, that also spiritualizes us, awakens us. Prabhupada used to ask, how many of you like to sing? Anybody here like to sing? So all you have to do is sing Hare Krishna. Because the name Krishna is not different from Krishna, it will uh, clear away the coverings which are covering the spirit soul. You can eat spiritualized food. Prasadam. How many like to do this kind of sacrifice? <laughs> so the process isn't difficult. Just whatever we're doing, we just do it by bringing in contact with Krishna, then it all becomes spiritualized. Whatever you do, you just think that like Krishna, I'm offering this to you. If, if we have it under the guidance of a bona fide spiritual master, he can show us what things we can do for Krishna. It's almost everything. How we can do it. So, in this way, once we, we uh, start to clear away the coverings from our mind, we become spiritually happy, blissful, peaceful, and we're able to uh, also influence others in that direction. So, this uh, chapter of Bhagavad Gita is a very powerful chapter. It's called the Yoga of the Supreme Person. That's in Sanskrit called Purushottam Yoga. And uh, this particular verse has 20 verses. 20, this particular chapter has 20 verses. All of the verses are spoken by Krishna. And in the last uh, verse of this chapter, he says that Shastram. This is the most confidential part of the Vedic scriptures. <laughs> 
Whoever understands the teachings of this chapter will become wise and know perfection. All the endeavors that the person does for no perfection. So Padma Purana, one of the histories of the uh, Vedic literature is Parvati asks Shiva, what is the glories of this uh, chapter? So, Lord Shiva gave a history that many millenniums ago there was a king called Rishina Maharaj. And he was consolidating the world under one global government. Based on spiritual principles. So that there would be peace in the world. So there were he was successful, there were some there were some military attempts needed with a few uh, wayward states, but finally everything was brought under the United Nations of the planet. So the Shingo Maharaj, he became the emperor. But uh, he agreed to follow always the guidance of his uh, counselors. So he was uh, managing things, uh, leading things very fairly all over the world. But he had a, he had a general who was uh, the one who did the military operations that consolidated the different countries. So he was awarded with some royal title, like a duke or lord or something, earl, marquis, you know, I don't know, whatever, they, something, something. And he was given uh, some palace, some facilities, but he wasn't happy. He thought, I did the fighting. I should be the emperor. I should rule. I was the one risking my life in the battlefield, so I should be the one to enjoy. He didn't want to have the same purpose as Tashimamara. His purpose was more to enjoy. So he planned an assassination of the emperor. A coup d'etat. Overthrow the government. This was his plan. 
The day before they were going to strike, the general died. He got some disease, he died. So everything was, you know, all the people like scattered. The king never knew about it. He didn't know there was a plot. So there's a clearing place where when people die, they go there and uh, the, the subtle body and the uh, soul goes and they're given like an instant judgment what's the next birth going to be and then they're allowed to again take birth. It all happens in a matter of seconds. It's called Yamalok. And the judge is called Yamaraj. So the general body was lying there, but the soul, the real person who was the general, went with his uh, subtle mind off to the Yamalok. There the karmic judge reviewed his case. You wanted to be the greatest. You wanted to kill the king even though he was very kind and generous with you. But you don't have the karma to be a king. You didn't do so much pious activity in your life to deserve to be an emperor of the world. So, but since you wanted to be the greatest, I'll let you be the greatest in something. You can be the greatest horse. You will be born greatest horse in the world. Congratulations. So there he was, next word from he was top general in the winning empire army. Next birth is a horse. Because he neglected his spiritual life. So then, one businessman heard that there was a really award-winning horse, and he wanted to see it. He saw this is the best horse in the entire world. This horse should go to the emperor. So he bought it for two million rupees. It's like, what's the money here? Like tulas. Actually, in India, uh, tula is also used to be a, a form of money. It was 
a, a copper or gold coin was called a tola. One tola was eight. It was eleven ounces of gold. So a small gold coin was a tola. I don't know if there's any connection, but that is that I share that with you. Someone can see if there's any connection. Anyway, so this uh, businessman took the horse to the, with great difficulty, he, tra he transported it to the capital city of the empire. He was trying to get into the king's uh, palace, but uh, they wouldn't uh, let him inside because uh, they don't take horses inside palaces. But the emperor heard that someone wants to show him a horse, so he sent his veterinarian doctor and his uh, cavalry general to check out the horse. They reported to him, it's a super horse. It is the best horse you've ever seen. Then the emperor went to see and he saw he was very pleased. Wow, this is a great horse, greatest horse. He said, okay, I'll take it. He asked the businessman, how much do you want? He said, don't worry, for you, I don't want to make any profit. You just give me my cost. Four million. That's how much you pay, right? Two million. Oh, anyway. Businessman. So the uh, king emperor got his uh, new horse. And one day they decided to go out hunting to test it. So all the young princes and the generals and the noble people, they're all there with their horses. They're going to go into the forest chasing uh, stags, you know, male deers to see. So they went, uh, one stag appeared in the forest and the king was following, but because he had the fastest horse, he went away from all the other horses and he was finally all alone in the forest. He was very thirsty. So they, he came across the stream with a beautiful waterfall. So then he let the horse drink the water and then he tied the horse up and he drank some water. And he saw 
a palm leaf on which there was a verse written in Sanskrit. So what is this? What is this? Then he read it out. Maybe it was this verse. We don't know exactly what verse it was he read. Mamaivamsa jiva loke jiva bhuta sanatana manasastan indriyani prakitistani karshati. Sarvasya chaham riti sani vishto matasmiti ganamapo hanamcha vedaisya sarvarahameva vedyo vedanta kirveda vedena chaham. I am seated in everyone's heart, 15. And from me come remembrance, knowledge, and forgetfulness. By all the Vedas I am to be known. Indeed, I am the compiler of Vedanta, and I am the knower of the Vedas. No sooner did he say that, Verse, the mystery verse. The horse died. Four million rupees. <laughs> but the king wasn't worrying about that because something far more amazing was happening. From the sky descended a brilliant spiritual airplane. He couldn't even look at it, it was more brilliant than thousands of suns. He saw from the body of the dead horse out came the subtle form of his general. General, what are you doing here? <laughs> but then the general, he entered into this spiritual airplane and he took a fully spiritual form. And the spiritual airplane making the sound of Vedic, uh, Vedic hymns went out into the sky and disappeared. So the emperor wanted to know what is going on here, what is happening. So he walked up to the top of the hill where the waterfall was coming from and there he found one hermitage where there was some uh, saintly people, some sages who were meditating and studying the scriptures. So he asked them, you know, what is this verse? I found this, this verse on the downstream. They looked, oh, this is our missing verse from the 15th chapter Bhagavad Gita. 
It blew away in the morning. Thank you very much. And he said, well, look, at this is what just happened. Explain everything and tell me what is going on here. Then they, they had a vision. They could see what was the past and the present. And so they explained to him what happened with his general and why he was in that birth. How he tried to plot it to assassinate him, but he died. But by hearing the words of Krishna as spoken in this verse, he got purified from all of his bad karmas and he could retain, return to his original spiritual platform. So then the king copied down the whole chapter, 18 chapter Bhagavad Gita. And began to chant it every day. So eventually he also went back home, back to God. So we can understand from this history how, like this general, because he was just chasing his senses, he was going, you know, from human to animal to he was so much disturbance in his life. But even he accidentally came in contact with the Bhagavad Gita, it changed his entire life and he got liberation from this material world. So what the real secret is, is don't leave it to chance. You can directly read Bhagavad Gita, chant Hare Krishna every day and you can program your definite. You can program your definite liberation from this material world and your achievement of full spiritual realization. So Lord Chaitanya, he gave us a very simple process to do this. Normally it used to be very difficult, but he gave a very simple process. Seeing Hare Krishna, dancing in ecstasy, feasting on Krishna Prasanna. And sometimes hearing some philosophy, meditating and trying to understand these things, and engaging yourself in Krishna connected services. By doing that, you can become perfect yogis. You can realize who you really are. Discover your real self, your real personality. 
But he didn't know that it's always happy and blissful. So we hope all of you will... How many of you are doing this already? How are we going to give it a try? Kuala. So Lord Chaitanya, he's very happy because he wants to see you all happy. When you're happy, chanting and dancing ecstasy, then he'll be happy. So thank you all for waiting uh, for me and uh, allowing me to give this class to you. I live in uh, Mayapur Dam in India, the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He appeared 500 years ago to give this process to the world. And it was brought uh, in 1965 to the West by my spiritual master, His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. It's a confidential secret, but we're trying. Everybody can take advantage if they were intelligent enough to figure it out. So I'll be here tonight for answering questions and seeing the devotees. But if you want to say, maybe my secretary and um, I mean, on the retired, if you want to see a slideshow, they can show you the slideshow of our recent uh, preaching safari throughout India, to northern parts of India. After your prashana. Any question? On this topic, I'm going to discuss today. Yes, Ananta Sarovar. Why did the horse achieve liberation before the king? Like he was somehow less, you know, She wanted to know how the horse would see liberation first. The king had that question too, but I, I was in a hurry. I wanted to try. I let that little secret out. <laughs> that horse was suffering like anything, and apparently he could remember his previous life also. So he was. Really suffering that uh, I'm with this horse's body. So he was, you know, very curious to find out what the king was reading. So 
So because he was so attentive, he got purified. Apparently the king wasn't quite so attentive. Sometimes when we're in suffering, there's another in the glorious of the 8th chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Somebody was chanting a half a verse in that chapter and so many ghosts were liberated, but the person who read the verse wasn't. <laughs> but later, the person kept chanting and then got liberated. So it's not exactly mechanical, it depends on your attention. Someone may chant Hare Krishna very attentively and, and uh, achieve all the results very quickly. Someone may not chant so attentively, they take more time. Well, I did not read many Pariyatras, including one that was going 10,000 kilometers throughout the whole India. And always in Pariyatra you have to depend a lot on Krishna. But, uh, usually if you have nice sakirtan and you distribute some prasadam to the people, then the people like it very much. The rural people tend to be more open than many of the urban people. So, uh, one time Lokanath Maharaj, we inaugurated the Pariyatra that was in Italy, leaving from uh, Villa Vrindavan, not too far from here. So I say you're calling it an echo caravan. Because uh, it's a bullock cart, and bullock carts are very ecological favorable. But 
but also the word echo in Sanskrit, ek, eka, means the one. It's also one of Krishna's names. So it has a dual meaning, echo caravan, echo meaning ecological as well as eka, the one. In India, they think of elephant also. Maybe, but they don't. I don't know if they still do, but it's hard to feed an elephant. <laughs> They eat about 100, 200 kilos a day. They're always eating. It's such a big body that they have to just eat all the time. So that means you have to always be feeding them. But somehow they always got food to feed the elephant. And, uh, they would put out different kinds of pitching programs and they sometimes showed audiovisual slideshows and movies and things. It's quite an interesting program. So when I heard they're going to have a padiatra and they wanted me to help in the rock reading, I was inspired to come here. But I think that it's actually not today, but it's a couple of days from the cards here? Oh, it's, fine. it's not ready yet. It's in the it's not ready yet the card. It's in the card. We got only the wood. So we have another garland, so you give a garland to the bowl and oh. say we're going to go. Boat program and the Black program, going village to village and town to town. It's really nice to meet to so many people. Bring the message to the grassroots. So much of this, I heard this is called New Yoga Pit. So, Yoga Pit is in the Mayapur, that's the center of the nine islands. The nine spiritual islands. And we circumvent that we walk around the Yoga Pit and then come back to the Yoga Pit when we do our Parikrama. The yoga, we, of course, yoga means uh, to connect. Yoga, 
link. So, generally yoga, we practice, we practice yoga that means we're linked with the Supreme through some process. But here, the yoga pita. Pita means holy place. A holy point, like a very specific point, which is very holy. So, yoga pita means that place where Krishna came down from the spiritual world and first made contact with the material world. Since Lord Chaitanya came as his own devotee, this Krishna who came as a devotee, therefore he actually came in contact with this, uh, with this world. So that place where it happened is called the Yoga Pita. The contact point, the contact place. And it's considered to be a very powerful place where one can get spiritual strength. So that's the birthplace of what Chaitanya is called Yoga Pita. So here you're in Blue Yoga Pita, so we hope also you give spiritual energy and enlightenment to all the devotees.
Srimabhadan 
what the false ego is doing first is that we identify that I am the mind. And we serve the mind. Mind is one of the six senses. So we become Godasa. Servant of the senses. Doing whatever the mind wants. The mind is always changing. And therefore, we are always uh, chasing after different things. The mind is not satisfied. So, yoga means we have to control the mind. The Astanga yogis try to control the mind by breathing exercises and meditation. Very hard to control the mind that way. But if someone is able to do so, then they get mystic powers. They can transfer themselves to some other planet. So many. They finally can get liberation. So controlling the mind is the key to get out of this material world. But uh, we practice versus a bhakti yoga. So we control the mind by engaging the mind in the service of Guru and Krishna. By the mind being always engaged in the service of Krishna. And becoming controlled. It becomes our friend. The controlled mind is the friend of the living entity. Sometimes uh, the uncontrolled mind is the enemy. Uh, here Prabhupada gives us uh, some different uh, weapons with which to deal with the mind. Ultimately, the best weapon is to engage the mind in Krishna's service. But if somehow you're not able to do that, Mind is uh, too turbulent. Another weapon is just to neglect the mind. I won't follow you. 
like a naughty child tells the parent, you know, I won't follow <laughs> For so long we've been serving the mind that the mind feels that uh, he is the controller. And finally, we, the mind, we just tell the mind, no, I'm not going to serve you anymore. Bhakti Sattva Sartami took it another step. He said, not only do we neglect the mind, we punish the mind. We beat it. You nonsense mind, why don't you surrender to the Atma? Take a pair of shoes and then smash the mind a hundred times. One, two, three, four. Just go on smashing the mind early in the morning. In this way, the mind learns who is the boss here. In Krishna consciousness, we don't have any uh, uh, abuse, it's not allowed. Shouldn't abuse your wife, shouldn't abuse your husband, shouldn't abuse anybody. But we can beat the mind. But this also not abuse. This is simply training the mind. Since the mind is not factual, it has no eternal existence. But the mind, because it's been reflecting, it's been acting as the alter ego of the soul, it's become very powerful. So we need to tell the mind who's the boss. Mind is supposed to be our servant, not that we are the servant of the mind. Mayapur once they did this drama of the, the genie. The genie rubbed the bottle and the genie comes out and says, What do you want? I'll give you whatever you want. So, but this genie is yet to, I'll give you whatever you want, but you have to keep giving me things to do. Otherwise, I'll kill you. So he said, well, uh, give me uh, five kilos of gold. Five kilos. Next! <laughs> oh, so I think, okay, uh, quick, we got ten seconds before I kill you. Tell me, what do you want me to do? Duhiri go kitro, samo vse se poti moš, potem te ubijem, kaj še želiš? 
Okay, uh, I want you to put a lamppost all the way from uh, Ljubljana to uh, all the streets in Slovenia. So he goes out. Wow, this is pretty heavy. I thought I was going to wonder how long it's going to take him to put lamppost up. Pretty soon the genie is back. Okay, next. So he's got to continually tell the genie what to do, otherwise uh, the genie is going to kill him. So it's getting really heavy, doesn't know what to do. The mind is you know, driving him crazy. It's always once more and more and more. I mean, the genie actually is uh, playing with, uh, is actually the, like the mind. That's what the drama is all about. So if genie wants to you know, kill him, he has to keep the genie busy. Like that, your mind will kill you if you don't keep it uh, somehow engaged. So then, he happened to meet a devotee. And the devotee showed him how you can read the Bhagavatam, read the Bhagavad Gita, you can chant Japa. So the next time Genie came said, tell me something to do. So read the Bhagavad Gita ten times. The genie is getting really purified. Read the Bhagavatam. And finally, chant Hare Krishna. There's no limit to how much you can chant. So this way Jimmy was controlled to stay there chant. <laughs> so the Jimmy is a nice drama because everyone has a good time in the end. Then they explain how the genie is like the mind. If you don't keep the mind in Krishna's service, then the mind always wants more and more, it's never satisfied, and uh, finally you, you become very much uh, depressed. Some people become so down, they become suicidal. When they can't think of any way to be happy anymore, then they give up. Okay, better to die. So the mind is actually killing you. Isn't it? So it's actually quite realistic. The genie or the mind. So we want to control the minds by these different processes. So that the mind becomes our friend.
If it won't be our friend, then we're just at least ignore the mind. We're not going to follow the mind. We're going to follow the orders of Guru and Krishna. So today we're having initiation ceremony. Also, these devotees are dedicating themselves to following the order of Guru and Krishna. This is the process of devotional service. To be Krishna Dasa. That everyone who is initiated they get some name of Krishna or Radharani or the, the word Das or Dasi. To be the servant of the servant. So this uh, is a way we control our minds. We're not going where we train ourselves not to obey the orders of the mind, but to train the mind to obey the orders of the soul. This is the whole process of Bhakti Yoga. We realize that we are the eternal soul and that we are not meant to serve the mind but to engage the life and the senses in our service, Krishna's service. Thank you for watching our videos. Be sure to subscribe to our channel. We publish new videos every day. And don't forget to like and share our channel.